It's good to see you all. And wanted to say, first off, way to turn out on a holiday weekend. You know, good to see you. And it was Adam Settle who came to me and said, make sure that you say good morning. So good morning. Uh, thanks, Adam, for that. And uh, beautiful day and just good to be here. Uh, you know, there, there are times I seriously get swept up in worship over here and uh, to, not to take anything away from Pastor Trent and as the Lord is speaking to and through him usually each week. Um, but, but I get swept up in the song and when George or one of his team members begins to read, uh, I feel like that's enough for me. Like I am so already overwhelmed that it's like in Jesus' name, amen, and I'm gonna go and I just wanna walk in the woods with the Lord. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, amen to that. So feeling a little bit of that right now. And, you know, have you ever had this said to you or you've overheard it? Maybe you've said it yourself and maybe you say, see it or say it regularly. Um, wasn't that worship awesome? Have you heard that before? Like, like I have, and, I, and I've thought that before. But then what catches me at times is, oh, what does God think? Because as God is here with us and we pray and expect him to be present with us just constantly for as often as we're gathered here. He is here, okay? So, so he is with us, but he also is, is hearing more than our singing. And, and do we realize this? That as we sing, he's not just like one more of us such that he could take any of the open seats here and experience what we expect, but that he knows every heart As I sing, he knows my heart. And I'm not ready to say that my heart is awesome to him. But but I am ready, or at least I, I, I just desire to know how it is that he is receiving my heart in our hearts as we sing. And that he loves us. He wants us, all of us. Anyway, this just some of the stuff that's going through my head as, as I'm down here uh, sitting with my wife. All right, um, now time to preach. So go ahead and throw up, if you would, um, put, put up a, the picture that we had. And I want to show you this. Okay, all right, now there, there's actually two pictures. And this is, this is the first one. I, and this is meant, that's me and my wife 30 years ago. 30, 30, 33 years ago, and we were falling in love. <laughs> and she snuck up behind me and jumped on my back as her mom took that picture. And I just want to point out some things quickly. Um, you'll see that I have hair. <laughs> and and you'll, see, you'll see who the comic relief is, by the way, in the relationship, right? Yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, please nod. Yeah. And, and you'll see who the spiritual one is in the relationship because I'm holding my Bible. And I'm also holding a dandelion. And for the life of me, I don't know why. Like, what is, what is up with the dandelion? But it's a little embarrassing. And, and I know that there are men in the church who are going to let me hear about that later. Why are we, dude, why? 
Anyway, but I was in love, okay? Now, next picture, please. And that is us doing a reenactment, probably about, what, three years ago. And your mom is with us, it's just three of us. And where we are is in a seven-acre ecosystem that is adjacent to Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, okay? And we are there because we are reenacting there where I asked him to marry me, okay? And I asked her to marry me on February 26, 1990. And there was a lot of snow there, so picture that. There was about two feet of snow, and we had hopped the fence. It was illegal, and I was an employee at Calvin. If I'd gotten caught, I'd lost my job, but I loved you. And so <laughs> we hopped that fence, and we went back to the very back corner there, of, of that seven acres, and there were like farm fields and stuff on the, on the perimeter. And all of a sudden, as we're kind of walking back through, it's super quiet in the snow, and it's probably about midnight. Okay, so it's dark. I didn't have a flashlight. Bungled it. Anyway, so we get back in there, and someone screamed. To this day, I have no idea who it was, and she freaked out. Someone just screamed back there. I'm looking through the woods. I didn't see anybody. You know, when the snow's on the ground, you can see a long way even at night. There's no one back there. But someone screamed and it freaked her out. And she says, we need to get out of here. And I said, "Um, okay, but I have a question to ask you first. And she turns to me and she says, what? (laughs) And and so I I said, I'm going to get down on my knees to ask it. And I got down on my knees. And as I'm getting down on my knees, she falls over backwards. Like, I'm talking like a tree. She did not sit down in the snow. It was a tree, just perfectly backwards all the way. It's a good thing there was nothing that she hit her head on over backwards. I pick her up, turn her around, brush all the snow off of her. And then, and then I said some things to her. And this is where we're going this morning with the sermon, is that I said to her, And here she is as my witness. You know, you're the only one for me. One. There's a lot of other women in the world. But there's not any other Kimberly Ann Barnes. And so I I want you and you only. One. And she said yes. And I I had the ring on me, but remember, I didn't have a flashlight. (laughs) Pulled the ring out, you know, it was still oversized. It hadn't been cut down to fit her little finger. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, Lord, please help us not. And she's like, I can't even see it. (laughs) So then we're running back to the parking lot to stand under the lights in the parking lot to see the ring. Anyway, one, this is where I'm going with this. One, we're looking at Galatians chapter one. We're going to read verses one through 10 and really slow down in verses six to 10 today. But I want us to see this. Just the oneness, or if you want a more theological word, uh, the singularity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there is just one gospel. There is just one gospel in accordance with a theme that we're going to be looking at over these next months in Galatians. There's only one gospel that frees us. Anything else that calls itself a gospel is going to come up empty for you. Just one gospel that there is just one God, there is just one Jesus, there is just one gospel, that there is just one church, 
and that there is just one, I call it worship, but resolve to worship the one and only Lord. So that's where we're going this morning. I want for it to be worshipful. You can hear a lot of the Bible, either read or, you know, I'm going to try to remember to quote. I know the day is coming, by the way, when I'm going to be up here, have complete mind blank, and then I'm going to be rifling through to try to find the verse. Hopefully that won't happen this morning. I try to quote and try to read, have a lot of scripture. You don't care as much about what I say. You care about what he says, though, right? And hopefully you're not coming back and you're saying, well, I'm not sure that I agree with that when all I've done is just read from here, <laughs> right? Because we want all of us to agree with this. So you're gonna have a lot of this. It's gonna be worshipful. Just one verse after another, perhaps. It's gonna feel that way along the way. And then we're gonna make our way into communion. All right? So are you in Galatians chapter one? And I'm going to start reading in verse one. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. I was quite a strong, you talk about a strong brotherhood. His team, guys like Luke and Silas, Barnabas early on, Timothy, that list goes on. To the churches of Galatia, Note that it's not the church of Galatia. We heard last week that, uh, you know, his church is in a region that he had either visited, perhaps he hadn't visited yet, but that he's sending these to a region and that there were multiple local churches in this region. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse six. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. I'm astonished. I don't know about you. I, I, have, I have personally ceased, I have, for the most part, maybe altogether, ceased to be astonished with what I've heard lately. And by lately, I mean the last maybe five, 10 years out and about as I make my way in life in America. I'm just not astonished anymore. I know that some come to me and they say, you know, can you believe that blah, 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 that that got said, that that got done, that this is coming our way? Can you believe that? Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> just not astonished anymore. I, until something very recently happened to me. I, I was attending a courtroom uh, adoption hearing, I guess it is, uh, over the Dauphin County Courthouse, downtown Harrisburg, and we're there. And, and I can remember um, that family and friends are, are gathered there. Um, 
and that uh, a woman who is, um, oversees all of Dauphin County Child Services, she's sitting right here on my right, and then there were three other uh, female social workers who kind of sat and wrapped around this way, and then the judge comes in, and it's all rise, and you know, we stand up, you know, be seated, we sit down. <laughs> First thing out of his mouth, Dauphin County Courthouse, This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I about fell over. I I mean, so much so, he asked me to pray at the end. I think I prayed for like 10 minutes. But but, but before I I, I stood up and I said, Judge, I got to tell you, you caught me off guard today. And he says, hopefully in a good way. (laughs) Yeah. I was astonished. Interesting and ironic and sad that what astonishes me in our culture right now is that kind of expression of goodness. What is astonishing to Paul here is that they are abandoning, that they're deserting. These are people who they're doing something that was unexpected, but not just unexpected, something that was not rational. You've been introduced to the grace. And now these other folks have come in and they're, they're, they're wanting to blend and mix and say things that sound so good. And you, and you tolerate this stuff. And you're deceived by it. And they say, no. I'm astonished. By the way, he doesn't say, um, I'm ashamed of you. He doesn't say that. But he does say, I, I, I marvel at you. And so I'm astonished. I'm astonished. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. Well, who's he? He's talking about God the Father there. He's so looking forward to just sharing from Isaiah 46. Um, where it says, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all. That I please. The only reason that anything gets done in the universe is because it pleases me to have it be done. So we're talking about sovereignty, absolute. I will do all that I please. I want to go ahead and Show a video. And here's the thing about this video. If we're real quiet in the sanctuary, you can actually hear what's happening. So just let's watch and, and listen. Check this out.
She, she is not resting on anything. She's hovering in midair. That's a ruby-throated hummingbird and probably a female, but it might be a juvenile male. Just suspended. It says in Job 12, 10, in his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Do you see as she is just hovering there you know, Kim just leaned that against our feeder two weeks ago in our backyard and, and caught that. As she is just hovering, do you see the hand of God? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. It says in Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men and women life and breath and everything else. I want us to see one God, just one God. To hear him talk from the first person. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. So I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. So let's go ahead and show 2 Corinthians 11.4 if we could get that up on the screen and read that. I don't want to say that this is a bizarre verse, but I tell you what, it caught me up. I'm reading, I'm clipping through 2 Corinthians one time, and I came across this verse that's like, wait a second. What? For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus, you mean there are other Jesuses? Much in the same way that Paul says, okay, there are other gospels. No, not really. There is no other gospel, but you're acting as though there is. Same way with Jesus here in 2 Corinthians 11. For if someone comes and proclaims another, quote, Jesus, than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. You are patient when you should not be patient. You are deceived. You are tolerant when you should not be tolerant. There's such a thing as other Jesuses that get presented from time to time in one way or another. May not get labeled Jesus up front, but scripture says that it can come our way. And when it does, are we ready? Not readily enough putting up with it, 
or are we ready to see the difference between Jesus, in quotes, and Jesus, the man who is? Jesus, the man who is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me right now. Do we see the difference? Or do we let it kind of just roll off the back and forget about it or put up with it, heaven forbid, readily enough? Okay, so one Jesus, but is it the Jesus who is? In, in Hebrews 1.3, by the way, uh, Jesus is described, and here's the Jesus we're talking about. Jesus is described as the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation or the exact imprint of his nature. That Jesus. There is only one. There is only one of that man in the universe. And he's the one we want. He's the one who wants us, but he's the one we want. So let's be careful. Sometimes we, you know, you hear stuff, you know, how does it come our way? You hear stuff like, uh, well, the Bible isn't really inerrant. Better watch out. Listen, judgment coming your way, not from me, but from the Lord. Or now the Old Testament is no longer valid. We say in our puffed up, pumped up intellect, you know, that scripture equates with grasshopper. Or we want to say something to the effect of, well, God, God is a loving God. And so he would never do fill in the blank because he's a loving God. So often I find that the way that that kind of a comment differs from the actual gospel and differs from the actual man, Jesus Christ himself, is that Jesus is a man with more than one attribute. Because yes, he loves, but he's also holy and he's a God of order. He's a God of peace. He's a God of faithfulness. He's a God of truthfulness. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God more than one attribute. And there are times even when he gets angry. We've heard about the wrath of God. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, the one true God, worship, God, God alone, who called you in the grace of Christ, one Christ. There is only one Savior, one Jesus, and that you're turning to a different gospel. The gospel says in John 14, 6, for I am, Jesus said, for I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man or woman comes unto me or comes unto the father except through me. You can't get to the father God except through Jesus Christ. One way, one way only. He says then in 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12, and I love this, these two verses because it's so cut and dry. It's so clear crystal clear where it says, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Now, you you cannot be more clear as to the way to God than that. So I love it. Just love that. You know, thankful for being that 
beautifully simple with a guy like me. So the gospel. And, and by, the, by the way, what, what, what do we mean when we say the gospel? Uh, it was Billy Graham now many years ago, uh, obviously uh, before his passing. And he had come with something that he called steps to peace with God. And, um, and there were four steps I remember, and I, couldn't, I can't tell you all four. Uh, I also know that there has been what has been called in years past, either the Roman road or the Romans road, something to that effect. And I want to say that there's four steps in that also. So what I like to do to talk about the essential ingredients of the gospel is just quickly, uh, you know, kind of have a blend of those four approaches. Uh, first one I take from Steps to Peace with God, um, where Billy Graham went back and he referenced um, John 10, 10 and 11, where it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Life, life that starts now, by the way, not just eternal, not just when you go to heaven, but life that starts now, characterized as abundantly, as abundant, okay? So that's, that's, that's first, that's number one. The problem though, is that you can't get there. You can't experience that life. And the reason for that is because you are a sinner, all of you, and me included, And the reason I know that is because in Romans, back to Romans, Roman Road 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't have abundant life. Sorry, you're a sinner. And you're not a sinner because you've sinned. You've sinned because you were born a sinner. You're a sinner. But hold on. Because Jesus Christ has done something about that. He's the only one and his work has been finished. Again, John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, he says. And then finally, the fourth ingredient, if you will. And I remember my, I had a prof in, in seminary who made this, he used to make this clear. He said, it's not enough to know the gospel. You got to decide. <laughs> you got to decide whether or not to appropriate it for yourself. You got to decide whether or not to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And so it says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Will you place your faith as the gospel? Okay. So those essential, those essential ingredients. I want us to see, by the way, can we get first Peter 3:18 up there? You know, as you go through scripture and you get asked the question, well, what, 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 what is the most um, condensed uh, expression or text in scripture that, that gives you the whole picture of the gospel? 
you may have a favorite or you may have other ideas. Awesome, wonderful. That This is the one, at least currently, that is my favorite that communicates all of the gospel in one verse. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous, that's him. For the unrighteous, that's us. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Okay, thanks for that. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I keep reading. So I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. They want to trouble us. If we could get, let's get the Ephesians 4 passage up there, if we could. I'm going to just read through this. There is one body and one spirit with a capital S that's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's enough right there. I just want to say praise God. The oneness, the singularity of his person, the singularity of the gospel, that Jesus has done the work. Um, yeah, so it would have been like a month ago and I'm riding on a Friday night with some of my officers in downtown Harrisburg and we got a call that a man had had a seizure. And so we went up there fast, you know, because it was a long way from the base where we were. And, and, and I'm telling you, it is, it is fun to do about 70, 75 mile an hour on 2nd Street up into Uptown and to, um, you know, lights and sirens. That's, that's a rush. But we got there and... Um, and he had regained consciousness. We, were, we had been told, this is why we went so fast. We'd been told that he uh, had fallen and then was unconscious and unresponsive. And so that's why we were making our way there as fast as we were. Um, so we run up the steps. Um, I'm first through the door because my officer is still grabbing the, the defibrillator or whatever. And, um, and so as I come into uh, the home, uh, I look up and I see that the guy has regained consciousness. So he's going to be okay. He's wobbly and he couldn't remember his birthday or anything like that. So, you know, we're, he still needs attention. The EMTs had not arrived yet. Um, and so he, he, um, we help him down the stairs and onto the couch. Now, here's the scene. Um, there's a couch right here. And we put him on that couch beside a young woman who looked like she was about eight months pregnant. And, and she's on the other side of him. And then there's two little ones sitting on a couch here with a TV over there. And they're watching cartoons while all this is happening. And then in comes this woman who is this young man's mom and grandmother to uh, the two little ones here. Okay. And there's a lot going on and it's still pretty tense. And she's feeling this. Um, and so she sits down and it gets a little quiet. And, you know, the EMTs now have arrived and, they're, you know, they're checking out and, you know, ask, ask, quietly asking a few questions. I look around and over the 
doorway that leads back into the kitchen, I see this plaque and on it, it says just Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. So I see that and I look around and I look at this woman who's, you know, she's the homeowner. She's, she's the one in charge. And I just said, I can do all things through him. She looks at me, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him. You know what she did? She's sitting right here. She reaches over the top of one of those little kiddos and she just, she goes like this to me. Like, like she's reaching out toward me. And, and so I'm like, oh. she held out my hand and held her hand and we're just standing there. EMTs, police officers, you know. Her son is, you know, what's happened to him. And she's just holding my hand. Her her skin color was a lot darker than mine. And it didn't even register. (laughs) Brother and sister, holding hands. And I'm telling you, it it was nothing inappropriate. (laughs) It's nothing untoward just almost worshiping. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. One body. That's what we just read. I see her today. I don't remember her name. May not ever see her again until heaven. Do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Keep reading. It says in verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. That's strong language, just biblically speaking, very strong language there. Let him be accursed. In other words, um, you know, the word anathema gets used there. It's an abomination to God to mix up the gospel, to convolute it, to add to it. That's what the Galatians are going to be at least in danger of if they have not begun to do so already. We're going to find that out in the balance of the book. Let him be accursed. And as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. An abomination or... And it's some Old Testament language. It carries over into the New Testament. Devoted to destruction, to my glory. They take a person who messes up the gospel intentionally, and I'm going to devote that person to destruction. That's how seriously God takes it. Pastor Trent mentioned that last week. Wow, you get to the book of Galatians, some strong language. And here is some of it. And then finally, verse 10, for am I now, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Years ago, and there was a man, Dr. Murray Harris. There was an initial in there. I forgot what it was. He was retiring from faculty at the seminary where Trent and I have both been. And uh, also uh, um, uh, Pastor Dan And um, it was a big deal because this guy was regarded as one of the foremost Greek scholars in the world. They asked him in the chapel, probably 500 guys there, 
They asked him in the chapel, you know, his very last appearance at the, on the platform there uh, before he went back, I guess, to New Zealand where he was from. Um, Dr. Harris, if there's one thing you could say to the American church before you leave, what would it be? You know what he said? He said this. He said, in the New Testament, the word that often gets translated as servant, that is the word doulos, does not mean servant. It means slave. That is the one thing I would want to leave for the American church. Joyful, surrendered relationship wherein I would never be harmed. I would never be abused. It's full of love and glorious use wherein I am not so much a servant as I am a slave. And that's what Paul is saying. I want that. That's what I'm working for. That's the approval I'm looking toward. And that's my resolve. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant slash slave of Christ. I wouldn't. It's either or. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 15, and he died for all that those who live, he died for all that those who live, which isn't all, he died for all, but he died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. David puts it this way in Psalm 27. He says, one thing. I mean, just revel in the singularity here, the oneness. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. To behold the beauty of the Lord. That's all I want. And I got to slip this in there because it's just such a, it touched me. You know, I, I enjoy um, classic literature. This I was reading a book by Anthony Trollope, Victorian literature, and he was describing a woman, a young woman, uh, and, and he does it in one sentence in a way that just, just cuts right to who she, and the beauty of who she was. And he's talking about the difference between what is pretty and what is beautiful. And he said this, you, and her name was Eleanor Harding in the book. He says, um, you might pass Eleanor Harding on the street without notice, but you could not pass an evening with her without losing your heart. That's awesome. Like guys, like take note, like, you know, some derivative of that, you know, you might want to use that in your near future. All right. Beauty. And David is saying, I, there is one thing, one beauty that I want to behold forever and just be consumed by. And it's to behold the beauty of the Lord. One resolve headed toward Christ. Keep in mind that in John 21, when God, or when Jesus is, in a sense, reacquainted, there's a reunion between he and Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? He doesn't say to Peter, Peter, do you love people? Peter, do you have a heart for men? 
Peter, do you have, you know, this or that in your What's your vision? He said, Peter, do you love me? If you can answer that in the affirmative, he pushes him three times, answer that in the affirmative, then feed my sheep. But the question is not, Peter, do you love sheep? It's Peter, do you love me? That's the business that I want to be about. It's business I want for all of us to be about. Let's make our way into communion. I mean, do you see how this, this text, there is no other gospel, just bridges us right into communion. There's a... Um, that there's two verses in Psalm 62, Psalm 62, one and two, and it says this, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. My soul finds rest in God alone. I'm gonna ask the communion servers to come on up. And as they do, uh, just mention this to you. Um, that just like we were talking about a moment ago in 2 Corinthians 5, it says about, Paul writes about Jesus, and he died for all that those who live. That lets us know that um, not everyone, and including not everyone in this room right now, is yet, hopefully, saved. Not everyone is saved. And so at this church, because we want to go ahead and be faithful to Scripture and to please the Lord, we ask that if you are not yet in that saving or that, yeah, that saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that you let the elements pass you by and not partake. We don't want to see you drink what Scripture calls judgment upon yourself. We want to see you face something that is going to be difficult when you're face-to-face with God one day for having done that. Now, that said, perhaps you're feeling right now like, hey, I'm at a point where I actually want to, I want that. I want that relationship. I want to give my life to Christ because I see that he's given his life for me. I want to repent of my sin. I want to live for him. I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit of God and see my life change altogether. Not just my life, not just the things that happen to me, but my heart and the ways that I feel, the things I think about and the way I think about them. If you're at a point like that, please know this. All you have to do is just say, yes, Lord. Like in the privacy of your own heart, and I'm gonna give you just a moment in a moment to do this, but in the moment, in that moment, in that privacy Just communicate, yes, Lord, I want that. And there are going to be people up here afterwards, prayer team, and they would love to interact with you and just talk through with you a little bit more as to what that means, what has occurred, and now what. Okay, so they're going to be up here and able to do that. Until that time comes, though, let's go ahead and let these pass. And what we're going to do now is... Um, I'm going to go ahead and read 
the first half of the first Corinthians text, and then I'm going to pray. And um, I tell you what, here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read, and then I'm going to give us a time of quiet. Then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have the elements, okay? So let me read first, just first piece of 1 Corinthians 11, where it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. So let's just take these moments now. Go before the Lord, privacy of your own heart, and commune with him there.